Good morning. The scripture reading this morning, the first reading is from the book of Genesis, 12th chapter, verses 1 through 3, which can be found on page 9 in your Brown Pew Bible. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The second reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 10, which is on page 995. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray again as we get into this word today. Lord, I pray that you would awaken our sleeping minds and hearts to see and to understand your mission in this world. Help us to be excited about that, to give our lives to that, and help us to be changed by what we hear this morning. Amen. I want to begin by telling you about an amazing person you probably haven't heard of. Some of you might have. Her name is Gladys Aylward. Gladys uh, was uh, in her late 20s working as a housemaid in London uh, in the 1920s. She was born in 1902 outside London. She had an eighth grade education, working class family, not rich, not notable, um, not well educated. Uh, she was wor working as a housemaid. If you've seen Downton Abbey, you know, that's the same period in which Gladys grew up. So she was one of those maids in the white and black uniforms running around this big, rich, rich person's house. So uh, she had grown up going to church, but one day she found herself in a revival service in London. And for whatever reason, the gospel made sense to her for the first time. She heard the call of God on her life. And she gave her heart to Jesus. And she was a changed person. She began to use her free time to uh, read the Bible, to go to, to youth Christian meetings, and to tell as many people as she could about the Lord. One day she came across a magazine at one of her youth Christian groups, and there was an advertisement, advertisement in the magazine for China Inland Mission. She felt God calling her to go to China and to reach people who had never been reached with the gospel. She just knew that this is what God had called her to. So she applied 
to the China Inland Mission. She was accepted. She went to the training school where she had to learn all kinds of practical skills as well as um, academic stuff and begin to learn the Chinese language. Well, after three months, she had basically flunked out of the school. She, they said she just didn't have what it took to learn the language and to understand the concepts she needed to, and, and she wasn't going to be able to serve through their organization. So she left the program, discouraged. But she wasn't going to give up. She knew God had called her to China with or without a missions organization behind her. She worked for the next year, saving every penny she could to buy a train ticket. And she lived in England, so you could take a train from like France to China. Back <laughs> um, a train ticket to China. And so a year later, when she was 30 years old, a single woman, 30 years old, she got on that train. Um, she, her, she was headed to a town in eastern China where she had heard that there was an older missionary who needed help with her guest house for travelers. So she got on that train with her bags, with her ticket, and she set out. Well, it was a very long journey. And it was a very hard journey. Uh, Russia and China were at war at that time. So the train frequently stopped. She was arrested once and then, and then put back on the train. Uh, once the, the she was kicked off the train at a, a, a stop and she had to walk 30 miles through the snow to the next train station. She finally made it to the border of China, but she was not allowed to get in, to come in, because they thought she was a Russian spy. Well, a kind stranger bought her a boat ticket to Japan, and from Japan, she got another boat back to, west, to eastern China and finally made it to the place that she was going to. But even then, her struggles were just beginning because this woman that she had gone to help turned out to be a kind of a cantankerous old maid who um, ran this guest house, and she told Gladys to just be in charge of the guest's mules. So she was working, taking care of mules instead of helping tell people about Jesus. She was discouraged, but she continued to persevere. Eventually, she, uh, the, the owner of the inn got sick, and Gladys tended her, and then, she, then this person died. And uh, Gladys is like, what do I do? I don't know anyone in this country. I don't speak the language yet. And God worked in, a, in an amazing way to, to give Gladys a ministry of going around to all the, the villages in the area and talking about um, foot binding. Uh, the Chinese culture had uh, prized small feet for women, and so girl, young girls would have their feet wrapped up in these tight cloths so their feet wouldn't grow. And the emperor had just decided that 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 needed to come to an end. And so the local official chose Gladys to be the one to go around to try to explain this to all the families in these villages. And she got to tell them about Jesus. Now we'll come back to Gladys in a while in her story. But for now, I want to ask you this question. Why would Gladys Aylward, or would anyone who's becoming a missionary go through all this trouble 
and hard, heartache and hardship and struggle to, to go tell people about Jesus. Right? Why would people make such great sacrifices? Why would you leave what is familiar and comfortable and known to go to something that is unknown and uncomfortable and unfamiliar? where you don't know the language or the culture or the people, where you might be ignored or ridiculed or even persecuted or killed. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? See, I think when, when it comes to missions, the most important question we need to start with is why. Why, do we do, why does the church do missions? Why do we encourage you to give and to pray to help missionaries in other parts of the world? If we have a bad answer to that question, why, we, we won't get what this is all about. Um, so first this morning, what I want to do is uh, spend a few minutes walking you through a few bad answers to this question, why? Why do we do missions? Which some of us might believe without realizing it. And then we'll talk about the real reason for missions revealed to us in Scripture. And here's why this matters to us. We may not all be called to do what Gladys Aylward did, to leave our home and go to a foreign land and live in a hard situation, but we are all called to be part of the mission of God. And we need to know what that's all about and why we're called into this. So first, three bad reasons for missions, starting with the worst and going to the least worst. <laughs> Number one, pride. This is the phrase, our way is better, right? Many modern people assume that missions is, in, is inherently prideful or colonialistic, right? We're going to bring our culture, our way of life, and export it to this other place and erase the local culture and say, you need to become like us. You need to be Americans. Or in the case of the British Empire, right, bringing the British civilization around the world and how that was tied up with a lot of evangelistic and missions movements. And so people point to that and say, missions is just prideful. It's just arrogant to come into a place you don't know or understand and say, I have the answer, you don't, so listen to me tell you how to be saved. And then after you are saved, you need to sing our hymns and worship in our types of churches, right? That's colonialistic. Is that the reason we do missions, to, to colonize other parts of the world with the American way of life or the Christian, you know, Christendom? No. That is, that is not why we do missions. Missions is not an American thing or even a white or a European thing. There soon will be more missionaries coming from the global south than that go to the global south. Okay, things are shifting. Well, the second bad reason, so there's pride, the second bad reason is pity. When we think those poor people, those poor people, they don't have as much as we have. You know, they, they don't, they don't have enough, so we're going to go help them. Or even a spiritual version of that, those poor people who don't know about Jesus, we need to go help them. Now this sounds like an okay reason, but by itself it is not sufficient. It is not 
what the Bible says is the reason for missions. Um, Chloe, our daughter Chloe, really has a heart for the poor, especially poor kids around the world. And so we, we support several kids through Compassion International, which sponsors, we sponsor kids and help them not only get the nutrition they need, but also uh, spiritual development. And Chloe, a few months ago, hosted an event to try to get more kids sponsored. Uh, and I was just, I love seeing her heart for the poor and for children. But even that is not really what missions is all about. It's not about pity, saying we need to go help these poor people. The third reason is what I'll call duty. And that's the phrase, Jesus said so. Now, uh, Jesus did command his followers to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that still applies today. But sim simple obedience or duty is also not the driving force behind missions. Of course Jesus commanded it because, it's, because it matters to God. But why did Jesus command it, right? So let's talk about the real reason. It's not pride. It's not pity. It's not even duty. What is the real reason that we do missions or that missionaries go around the world? Could you go to the next slide, please? I want to... Uh, uh, show you this term called missio dei. It's a Latin phrase, but it means the mission of God. I want you to remember that phrase, missio dei, the mission of God. And here's why. The reason that we should care about missions is because God himself is a missionary. Thank you, Asher, for responding with such theatrical yeah perfect yes God is a missionary it's not like he's given his followers some project that he wants us to do oh yeah you need to go and make more people believe in me no if we see it that way we'll be all backwards the reason that we do missions is because God has a mission he's always had a mission he still has a mission for his world and we get to be a part of that mission. God is the first missionary. God is the one who, who sends his son. God is the one who, who goes to his people, who reaches out when people are far from him. It's always been that way, and it always will be that way. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has always been on mission in this world. If I had to choose one unifying theme for the whole Bible, it might be Missio Dei, the mission of God, because it truly does tie together Genesis and Revelation. And what I want to do for the remainder of this sermon is to show you a few points on that trajectory to see how God has been, is, and, and will fulfill his mission on this earth and how we get to be a part of that. The beginning of the story for our purposes today is Abraham. That was the reading in Genesis. So at this point, this man named Abram 
didn't even know who God was, Yahweh, the, the creator God. There were plenty of idols in his culture in Mesopotamia, but, but God reaches out to him, God the missionary, chooses him and makes him this jaw-dropping promise. He says, go, leave your, your nation, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I'm going to start something new with you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And then he says at the end, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples, all people groups, all ethnicities will be blessed through you. What is God talking about? How is this going to happen? Well, as the story of Scripture begins to unfold, we see the plan developing. And so, you know the story. God keeps his promise to Abram, despite Abram's advanced age and Sarah. He gives them a child. That child, uh, Isaac, has more kids. They, They multiply. They end up becoming a great family. Then they're enslaved in Egypt. We went through this this year. God rescues them from Egypt, makes them into a nation, Israel, with a special purpose. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, right? So now we see, okay, this nation has a special purpose, but it's not just for themselves, it's for the whole world. Psalm 67 was our call to worship today. And in it, the author of that psalm understands that Israel has a purpose for the world. He says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Why? Because, because we're so great? Because um, we deserve it all? No, so that your name may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. You see that? We still don't know how this is going to happen. How is this tiny little nation, the Jewish people, going to save the whole world? How is God's, God's saving plan going to work out through them? We don't know at this point in the story. God sends his prophets. His people fail. They go into exile. A, smi- a tiny remnant comes back. It looks even more hopeless. The Romans take over. They're a hopeless. They're like a little powerless colony of Rome at this point. How is God's plan going to move forward? God is the missionary God. He has a plan. And his plan is unveiled more fully than ever when Jesus Christ is born. Right? Because through Jesus... The gospel, the the saving message centers on him and will then go out to the ends of the earth. One of my favorite prophecies about Jesus in the book of Isaiah is not the familiar ones we, we, we read at Christmas time about wonderful counselor, prince of peace. I love those. Or the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. I like those. Isaiah 49, 6 is the Lord speaking about his servant, who is Jesus. He's speaking to him. Listen to what God says. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob, that is the nation of Israel, and bring back those of Israel that I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, 
a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. I will make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation will reach to the ends of the earth. And this, friends, is exactly what happens when Jesus is crucified to bear the sin of the world, rises again to defeat death, ascends to heaven, sends the Holy Spirit onto his small band of followers, and the message of the gospel explodes into the earth. It's no longer a tiny nation of Israel saying, look at us and understand who God is. It's now, it's now the message going out, centrifugal force, going out to the ends of the earth because God is on mission. God is on mission to redeem all peoples for himself. And we are part of that mission. The book of Revelation gives us a glimpse of how God's mission will be fulfilled. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. So this is John in a, a, a vision of heaven looking upon the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. Listen carefully to these words. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the Lamb, that's Jesus, and before the throne. They were wearing white robes, symbolizing salvation, and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Genesis, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Psalm 67, be gracious to us and bless us that your ways may be known to all nations. Jesus, the church going out, Revelation 7, 9. Every nation, tribe, people, and language. That's always been God's goal, is to have the full diversity and glory of humanity represented worshiping him, united in Christ, reconciled to God. And the message that goes out today the message that Gladys Aylward took to China, the message we preach at this church is that Jesus is the saving king. You can be made right with God through faith in him. And you can be part of God's eternal kingdom. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be a new creation. You can be connected to a purpose that is far beyond anything you could imagine. This is the message we preach. This is what Gladys Aylward shared. This is what any faithful missionary announces and shares and prays into being in places where they go. Right? It's not prideful colonialism. It's not pity. It's not even duty to Jesus. It's saying God's mission is still unfulfilled and we get to be a part of fulfilling his mission. We get to be a part of what he is doing. And friends, I have news for you. You may not be called to go to China or uh, the jungle forests of Zimbabwe, but 
you are part of the mission of God. The state of Vermont is quickly becoming a mission field where generations of people have grown up without any foundation in the Christian faith, without any knowledge of who Jesus is. And so these are our neighbors, these are our friends, these are our family members. The good news is God has, God has also raised up native missionaries to reach these people who speak their language, who know their customs. And that's you sitting in the pews today. So we are, in a sense, we are all missionaries in the mission of God to bring the gospel to people who have not heard and do not know. And people who won't yet be in that final vision of heaven before the Lamb saying salvation belongs to our God. So how has God called you to join him in his mission? Not just to do something for him, to do a project for him, or to to evangelize people because Jesus said so, but to join God in his mission. I think it's deeply empowering and encouraging to us to know that God is already at work. It's not just our job to make people excited about Jesus or to get people to come to church. God is at work. We get to join him. So how can you join him? Is it through friends you have, telling them about Jesus on your cross-country team or at work or in your family? Is it through uh, caring about missions internationally and giving money to invest in the kingdom in other parts of the world where there are so much less access to the gospel? Praying for missionaries. Or maybe even going yourself. You saw on these pictures earlier how there is no stereotypical missionary. God might be calling some of you, regardless of your age or your background or your education. We just need to do what God calls us to do to be part of his mission. So are you willing to say yes to the mission of God? Do you understand that this is what it's about? It's so much bigger than than our lives or our family or this church or this country. This is the grand theme of history and this this will be what we celebrate for eternity is what God did to reconcile people to himself through his son. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be invested in that and seeking first his kingdom and being part of his mission. So let's pray. Let's pray for help with this. Lord, <clears throat> Lord, we, um, we start by confessing that so often we uh, have tunnel vision, our heads are down, we're looking at Um, our own little lives and the things that make us happy and the things that annoy us and the things that we need. We just repent of our self-focus and we pray that you would lift our eyes onto um, the greatness of your gospel and your kingdom and, and your son Jesus who 
is at the blazing center of reality. I pray, Lord, that your call on our church and on each person here would be clear, would be compelling, would be unignorable, and that you would give us courage to partner with you on your mission in whatever way you've called us, called us to do that. And we thank you that we get to be a part of what you are doing. What a privilege. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.